fake podcast music. Do-do-do. Hello, and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the story about Michigan, murder, mysteries, and other random mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie. And Jen. And this is our New Year's podcast, our New Year's Eve podcast. And so, Jen, what New Year's Eve mayhem do you have for us? I have a New Year's Eve torture and murder of a four-year-old girl in Sumter Township, Michigan. Yeah, you go first. (laughs) What do you have? (laughs) Well, I have a 16-year-old boy who, on New Year's Eve, shortly before the ball drops, he takes an AK-47 and murders four people in his house. But... I don't have that much information because it's a closed case and it just happened 2018. So why don't you go first? I could be a palate cleanser. And then I do I, have some. No? I love when you yeah. are like, oh, I'll be the palate cleanser. But yeah. in reality. It's not that. I know. It's not. Well, I don't have as much info. So there's not like really a lot of detail. And then I could always end with a couple of New Year's Eve facts. Okay. That's what I'm hoping. At first I was going to do a woman who... Put her baby in a microwave. That is horrifying. Yeah. Ugh. I hear about it. I look it up. And as I'm investigating, I'm like, well, these facts don't add up to what I had already written down. As you're looking up the, the first story? The first story. Yeah. To only find out that there this happens a lot. So you're looking up one story and you realize you're reading a second story yeah. about a baby killed in a microwave? Yep. So the first woman said she put her baby in the microwave because she was having a seizure. That's No, you don't accidentally turn a yeah. microwave on during a seizure. Well, you would have to actually put your baby in the well, microwave. Well, put your baby, close the door, turn it on for a certain amount. you got to press some buttons. Two minutes. Two minutes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's horrifying to me. And then the second story I stumbled upon, the woman uh, puts her baby in the microwave for five minutes. That hurts my stomach. And then she claimed that uh, it would have never happened if her boyfriend didn't cheat on her. That is 1,000 times worse. Yeah. It makes my stomach and head hurt and my heart. Yeah, it was crazy. So I was like, oh, I can't do, I can't do a full podcast on this. Because then I did think to myself, okay, these people are killing babies in microwave. Let me just Google people murdered in kitchen appliances. Okay. So there was a blender story. Oh my God. And then there was With this, a baby? Yeah. And then there was this woman who put her two child, young children in the oven and baked them while her third child watched. And the third child was young, right? Really young. I can't remember exact, but I think it was two or three years old. Oh my God. So it was that crazy. is horrifying. Then, huh. then I was... You know, of course, I'm looking up kitchen appliances and how people are murdered with kitchen appliances. And I learned that there is a thing called refrigerator deaths. On accident Death or on by purpose? refrigerator. Well, it was actually by accident. I was like, I heard about that one. That's why when you take a refrigerator and you throw it out in the garbage, you have to remove the door because it's an airtight seal. Yeah. Well, they said that deaths by refrigerators were common prior to 1956 because they locked on the outside. Yeah. To keep that seal. Yeah. And then after um, the Refrigerator Safety Act was passed in 1956, it was took till 1958 for the doors of the refrigerator to be different. So that you can push it open from the inside. Correct. So now I can throw you in my refrigerator and you can get out. One time when I had a babysitter babysitting me, she put me in the freezer as a hiding spot when I was a kid. Really? Yeah. My mom was pissed. <laughs> I could imagine. Sorry, Sheila. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
and then after that, I, I so I stumbled then on death by boiling. Oh my God! What happened in Europe and Asia? That's actually how they executed people. And then I was like, I'm not looking anymore. Oh my gosh! I'm like over. Yeah. yeah. It hurts me just to hear your basic synopsis. <laughs> and I like murder and death and morbid stuff, yeah. as long as it's not happening to me. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Mine is the New Year's Eve torture and murder of a four-year-old girl in Sumter Township, Michigan. This happened recently, uh, last year, I believe. Well, yeah, I did see a lot of like things it. on Facebook about about it. Um, someone that I'm friends with on Facebook was... Uh, really interested in the story and just what little I read on their Facebook feed was horrifying to me. Yeah, it was crazy. About what they did to this little girl. Yep. So the morning of New Year's Day, 2018, police were called to the home of Candace Diaz and Brad Fields because Candace's daughter, Gabriella, was unresponsive. Now, Brad is not Gabriella's father. He is Candace's boyfriend. Okay, does Candace and that dude... Have a baby together? A one-month-old. Okay, so not the four-year-old, but they do have a one-month-old together. Yeah. Okay. Upon arrival, the police administered CPR. Witness burns on the child. Gabrielle was pronounced dead at the hospital. The medical examiner ruled the death a homicide. She had multiple traumatic injuries and evidence of battered child syndrome. Uh, I think it's horrible that we even have a syndrome called battered child syndrome. Yeah. It is sad. When investigating, the police found the environment in the home to be chaotic. Brad was accused of assaulting Candace in 2016 and also shooting not only her dog, but himself as well. What? Yeah. So a couple years ago, he shot her dog and himself? Yeah. Wow. In their home, they found weapons, drug paraphernalia, garbage, dog urine and feces, and a taser gun. Wow. So, and just so, so when you, they say chaotic, they mean filthy. Yeah. Yeah. And full of stuff. And yeah, and drugs. Filthy with drugs. Yeah. Um, just so you know, Brad was 28, I believe, and Candace was 24. Okay, so these are the straight up adults. Yeah. All right. Candace was on probation since 2016 for possession of prescription forms, like blank. Oh, she had a blank, a blank prescription pad or something? Yeah. Okay. And altering a firearm ID marking. Ooh, so filing a number off a gun, I'm going to guess. Yep. That's okay. what I, it seemed like. Okay. Brad had a previous charge in 2006 for carrying a concealed weapon. After Gabriella was pronounced dead and the death ruled a homicide, the police went to pick up Candace and Brad on charges of torture and murder, but they could not locate the couple. So they didn't go to the hospital with her either? No, I believe she did. So oh, the mom did originally. The mom did go to the hospital. Okay. They told her that she had passed away and then she left. Wow. I don't know if Brad went there. Okay. But online you can watch like their whole entire trial. Really? Yeah. Okay. Um, so at this point, cue the manhunt because they're missing. Yeah. So the U.S. Marshals started searching for the two of them. They offered up a $5,000 reward for information leading to their arrest. On January 9th, the couple were found and arrested in Georgia. Wow, they went pretty far. Yeah. On October 9th, Brad uh, was found guilty on a charge of felony murder, second-degree murder, torture and first and second degree child abuse he was he was sentenced with life without parole okay and then 
Candace took a plea on November 8th. She pled guilty to homicide, second-degree murder, and first-degree child abuse. November 8th of this year? Yes. Wow. Yep. So from January to November, these people went on the run and then were convicted of murdering a child, right? This happened New Year's Day. Yeah. They were captured January 9th. Oh, so they were only on the run for like a week. Yeah, for a very short period of time. And then they've been going through their trial. This whole time. This whole time. Yeah, I think it's interesting to see that, like how long it takes. Oh, I worked at a courthouse in high school, and yeah, it's longer than you think. And you have different things, like an arraignment, all sorts of different hearings. You don't just immediately go to court and get sentenced. Yeah, it takes for freaking ever. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, I have one that is uh, New Year's Eve murder. Of 2018, so 2018 New Year's was pretty deadly. Um, a 16-year-old named Scott Kologi murdered four people, three of them being his family members. It was really hard to find information on this because the courts are looking to try him an adult, but currently, as a 16-year-old, his case is part of the family court, and juvenile courts are usually closed to the press, and this case isn't being treated differently. So, yeah. juvenile court, mm-hmm. an adult court. Yeah. When do the courts believe a child is of age to be tried? Well, I think it's supposed to be 18, but then they can make pleas to say, I know he's 16, but I think he's able to be tried as an adult because they do try people below the age of 18 as adults. Okay. And they are they are thinking about trying him as an adult, but as of now, they haven't, so it's still... And the judge has gagged all lawyers associated with the trial, keeping them from talking to those in the media. So it's really hard to find stuff on this. Yeah. But I looked for hours, literally. <laughs> so people in the press did push for access under the state's Open Public Records Act, because this is in New Jersey, and looking for 911 calls and police dash cam video, but they were denied due to the fact that the case may still move to an adult court, and they don't want it to influence anybody in society because this might be a, a jury of his peers. So... The Kalohis lived in Long Branch, New Jersey, a town that is part of the Jersey Shore. Scott's parents were Stephen, who was 42, and his mother, Linda, who was 44 years old. He has three older siblings, Steve Jr., 20, Brittany, 18, along with another older brother from his father's previous marriage, and he was not on the scene of this murder. So Scott, the the 16-year-old, he has autism and a learning disability. He was also homeschooled due to bullying in elementary school. So he's been homeschooled since elementary school. Before the murders, Scott was described as both friendly and funny and someone who liked to tell jokes. Everyone that described Scott said that he was a nice kid and that his aggressive actions came out of the blue. So just a nice, regular, autistic 16-year-old boy that snaps or something. I don't know what happened to him. It was hard to figure it out. Um, Brittany, Scott's older sister, had come home from her freshman year in college to spend the holidays with her family. So she's normally in college, but she came home. Mm-hmm. And she's attending. she was attending Stockton University in New Jersey. The night of New Year's Eve, the family was at home with Scott. And the Clogies had a guest over, 70-year-old Marianne Schultz, who was a longtime companion of one of Scott's grandparents. So her partner, Marianne's partner, Adrian Kologi, was also in the house at this time. Um, I read two reports that said Marianne lived in the house with the Clogie family. So maybe Marianne and Adrian lived at the house. I couldn't tell. I don't know if they were like guests for the night or that if they stayed there regularly. Um, There's another family acquaintance who was in her 20s that was in the house, but she was not further identified in reports. 
Original reports said that on New Year's um, Eve, minutes before the ball draft, Scott came to his family's living room with an AK-47. The gun was legally registered to Scott's father, Stephen. Scott opened fire, killing both his parents, his sister, and his grandfather's companion, Marianne. Now, later reports say that not everyone was in the living room and that Scott had walked into other rooms killing his family. That's so sad. <clears throat> yes, it is. Stephen Jr. and his grandfather were in the house at the time. Um, along with the unidentified woman, but escaped harm by running out of the house. So they heard the shots and they ran out of the house. Marianne Schultz, the family friend who was murdered, was a retired woman who had stayed active in her community. She liked being the family historian and acting in the local murder mystery diner theater. So we would have totally liked her, right? And at her funeral, Marianne's friends and family gave her one last standing ovation as her casket was carried out of the funeral home. I thought that was very sweet. sweet. Yeah. It's being speculated that the Kologi family was struggling financially. Stephen Sr. had filed for bankruptcy in 2009 after losing his job at the post office where he had been working for a decade. Um, recently, he had been working as a trucker. Stephen Jr. did mention after his parents' death that he always had food to eat, a roof over his head, and that his parents always tried to provide to their children for their children on the holidays. So that also made me think there might have been financial issues if that's one of the things you mentioned about your family is that they tried to provide for you financially. That there might have been issues. It was hypothesized that the ongoing financial strain wore on the family and affected Scott's mental health. And that's why he took a gun and killed his parents and um, his sister and a friend. And there's just the last... the the. I don't even think that's the like... The oldest article I could find was January 4th of this year. After that, it just goes like basically radio silent. So I don't know what's happening with this kid. It was just so hard to find something because they put a gag order on it. He's a juvenile, so he has all these protections for what happened yeah and i'm wondering like he load the gun yeah well i'm gonna actually keep looking like and i just periodically because eventually if they do take him to adult court we'll be able to get more information and if he's sentenced usually they do make that public so i'm just gonna keep checking until more information comes up on this one because it just left me curious i killed me that i couldn't find anything that judge's gag order really worked (laughs) yeah right yeah in juvenile court yeah do they have jury trials yeah i was almost on one and um you know i have to go to detroit for my jury duty and i'm in detroit and we're literally about to go in as the jury sitting we're sitting outside the door it's a literally we're supposed to go in at 12 it is exactly 12 and the girl decides to plead down instead and so like at 1202 they let us go home Hmm. yeah so i can tell you some facts about new year's eve and new year's day okay i usually sleep throughout and you never make it to the ball. There were so many times when I was, you know, a single parent raising my young daughter that I would, I don't know why, would set an alarm for 12 o'clock so I could wake up at 12, answer the phone if someone called, and then go back to sleep. <laughs> no, I'm usually in bed. I was so tired. I'm sleeping. Yeah. I rewatch it on YouTube. <laughs> Later in a more decent yep. hour. <laughs> yes, that's right. So they first dropped the ball at one Times square uh, in 1907. Really? Yeah. Um, the New York Times Square drops... 2,000 pounds of confetti at midnight to bring the New Year in. You know, when you see those people like, whoa, and you see all this confetti, that's 2,000 pounds. poor workers that have to clean that up. Yes. Oh, do you know that people often wear diapers to the Times Square um, event because there's not a lot of bathrooms? When you see those people there, they've been there for hours. Yep, never going. Yeah, well, I don't like crowds, so that sounds horrifying to me. I need to have a bathroom. Right. Uh, since medieval times, it's been good luck to wear, um, in Italy, to wear red underwear on New Year's Day. I actually knew that and have red underwear that I've worn on New Year's Day. 
And did you have good luck the rest of the year? No, every year has like a mix. Every year is like a mixed bag of good and bad stuff. But one year I did wear my Wonder Woman underwear thinking that that has to, I mean, it's red and it's Wonder Woman. So, <laughs> come on. <laughs> so, fireworks and noisemakers are part of the New Year's tradition as a way to scare away evil spirits so the New Year can get a clean start. Oh, that's why we do. So, I need red underwear and I need noisemakers. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, not this year. This year wasn't that bad. But last year, there were people setting off fireworks from June, for the July 4th, from June to, like, February in my neighborhood. Like, I will find you and kill you. But Really? Yeah. <laughs> yes. In our neighborhood here, there's an ordinance. You can't. Oh. Yeah, you find big bucks. Well, this year, there wasn't as much. So, I think the cops finally were like, we got to stop these people. Yeah. Um, the insurance company AAA on New Year's Eve will tow your car for you and give you a ride home for free in order to reduce drunk driving incidents. That's sweet of them. So, yeah, so your car comes home with you, too. I thought, that's a really yeah, great idea. Nice. So the next day you don't have to find a friend to get you to go back, yeah. you know, and pick your car up. Um, no space shuttle flew over, flew on New Year's Day or Eve until 2006 because the computers couldn't handle the rollover in the year. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and here's the last one. A female suicide bomber in Russia in 2010 planned a terrorist attack in Moscow on New Year's Eve. Her phone was supposed to detonate when she received a text from her co-conspirators. Unfortunately for her, she received a spam text from her cell provider wishing her a happy new year, triggering the phone and killing her in the explosion. Oh my God. Yeah. A I said, I think that's karma. Shit. Like you first of all should have put it on to not ring until you're ready. And you didn't think about that, and they sent you a spam text and got you blown up. Dang. Yeah. See, that's why I would wake up at midnight to get ready to answer those kind of calls. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. All right, you've been listening to Michigan and Other Mayhem with Allie. And Jen. Connect with us at michiganandothermayhem.com to join the conversation, listen to the podcast, access show notes, find site links, and correct us when necessary. Rate and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Bye-bye now.